Welcome back to WTM. Watch this movie. I am the guy with a shitty voice talking. Eric Mulder. So he says, wrecked him, damn near killed him. Do have to apologize for my voice. Uh, this is part of the reason this episode's been a little delayed. Been a little under the weather with some sort of a sinus infection. I don't know. I, think I don't know a, if I'm going to make her. I think this is the third straight episode where you apologized for your voice quality. Yeah. Well, I mean, before that, it was just from yelling at Minnesota United games. But now, taking antibiotic, antibiotics, so we'll see if that helps. It is helping a little bit, but I just we got to get this episode out there to the people. So prom- I didn't want to delay anymore. It's been promised for a while. <coughs> has it? Yeah. It has. Didn't you listen to the last episode? We plugged it. And remember how mm. we were going to do this last week? I do remember <laughs> that. Exactly one week ago to the day. Well, Wait, yeah, it's... Tuesday? I yeah. knew we were going to do last Monday, and then something happened, and then we are going to do a Tuesday, and then something happened. Yeah. I didn't know there was, like, a teaser in the last episode. I thought you listened. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen to the last episode? Did I listen to the most recent or the one before that? Uh, apparently not the most recent. But we even mentioned it, like, when you were on, I think. Really? Yeah. I just have a bad memory. I guess. I guess so. <laughs> you have something erased or what? <laughs> Maybe. Dun, dun, dun. Foreshadowing. All right, well, let's formally introduce Mr. Brett. How are you? <laughs> you are going to hit the thing. No, I was going to let you speak I first. you are going to hit the thing. I'm kicking it live, homie. Kicking the stupid dog moves. Busting it out. Might be the last time for that clip. I guess. It might be. I have to get some fucking Norbit clips in here for you. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I should edit that out because you wanted a surprise. No, we talked about clip. we talked about it last time. Oh yeah, I think you switched which one you chose though. I think we we were thinking one of the the many how you doings, mm-hmm. but uh, that's more of an exclamation in the movie than a greeting. Mm-hmm. To really punctuate a, a very <laughs> important statement, uh, so I might go with another line in there. But uh, mm-hmm. there are very many uh, good options. Mm-hmm. And we might sprinkle in a couple other clips throughout the shows, because uh, I think we found a couple winners in there. Jones mm-hmm. is actually going on a road trip next week. I forget where he's going, but he's going to be gone for about a week. Is he trying to get that sex tape back before it <coughs> reaches his girlfriend in the mail? He's going to go down to, what, Texas? Is that where they went to? I don't remember. It was cross country. Yeah. From uh, Ithaca? Yeah, something like that. What movie was this? Road Trip. It was it was called Road Trip. <laughs> Road Trip. <laughs> I don't know. I have a fresh memory of Euro Trip. Yeah, I'm sure Road you do. Road Trip. Who is in that? 
Amy Tom, Smart. Tom Green. Sean William Scott. Breckenmeyer. Was Sean William yeah. Scott in there? Hmm. It's all right. Um, not Sean William Scott. Um, I forget who I'm thinking of, but Tom Green is in there. The guy that Kevin Spacey molested. Really? Who looks like Mulder. Can we say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, allegedly. <laughs> I do look like him, but <laughs> allegedly he... Yeah. He was the um, first guy to hashtag me too, Kevin Spacey. Hmm. Yeah, Sean William Scott's road trip. <laughs> what are you thinking? He's not in there? No, he I just couldn't, second guess I, it. I couldn't remember. Yeah, he's in there. Along with Mr. Tom Green. Tom Green doesn't go on the road trip. Spoiler alert. He or, stays back. It's not at, the Green Tom show, it's the Tom Green show. He stays back at the dorm and feeds the snake. <laughs> also joining us today is mr jason back after a one episode hiatus hello jason's a legend Jimmy. a legend there it goes fix that problem he was gone for two episodes was he two yeah i suppose all right well today's uh, another heavy hitter this is a personal favorite of jason's that's right i also like it quite a bit but we're doing a breakdown of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind that is so, correct jason tell us all about your love affair with this movie um let me guess you watched it the first time right after a big breakup no actually the first time i saw it was in theaters with a girl that i was going out with at the time mm-hmm. she fell asleep halfway through which is how i knew it wasn't going to work out mm. and uh i don't know i i just think this movie is pretty much perfect it's it's well made it's poignant it has a lot to say about life about relationships there are a lot of movies about relationships but not many of them are as i don't know i want to use the word profound like it it takes it seriously and acknowledges that you know most relationships if not all are flawed and that humans are flawed and that there's good and bad mm-hmm. and i don't know i thought it was a good study on relationships memories life in general so of course is it better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all exactly i would say yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that seems to be the uh the message in brett the, what in say the you I can go either way. You're a bit more of a curmudgeon, I guess, <laughs> of, of the group. That's probably accurate. So maybe you're like, well, fuck it. <laughs> if it sucks in the end, then what's the fucking point? Could take it or leave it. <laughs> oh, okay, well, let's get to the deets here. We are going to be going through synopsis for this. Uh, we don't have that many clips because it is a very visual movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't really get a lot from a lot of the audio. So we'll just kind of uh, give you the deets here. Then we'll go through uh, the plot synopsis, you know, interrupted by some commentary, some fun facts, maybe get a little philosophy, sink our teeth into it a little bit. Maybe provoke you to maybe research a little more about it and the philosophy involved. But it was directed by Michael Gondry. Michel. He's French. Oh, Michel. Actually, I was going to, when I was looking at it earlier, I was like, oh, it's probably Mikel. Because I noticed there wasn't an A in there. Mm-hmm. But you're so say, so, it's so Michel. it's Michel. Okay. Yep. 
Like uh, dodgeball. Like a girl. <laughs> dodgeball. <laughs> um, came out in 2004, starring Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Tom Wilkinson, uh, Elijah Wood, Mark Ruffalo, Jane Adams, David Cross, Kirsten Dunst. Uh, that's about it. Storyline. Uh, when their relationship turns sour, a young couple undergoes a medical procedure to have each other erased from their memories, which is probably the most basic storyline get to. Yeah, but the other ones are a little more in depth. Since we're going to go in depth with it anyways, you know, try to keep it short. Yeah. But first, before we get into it, we should talk just a little bit about the director, Michel, because when I was looking up what he did, um, and I guess most people would know him from maybe Be Kind Rewind. That's maybe his other most famous work. Mm-hmm. But he's done a shit ton of music videos. Sure like, has. Like damn near a hundred of them. And a lot of them featuring Bjork, which Jason here has a big old chubby for. <laughs> I was going to say that's not accurate, but. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I you know, truth be told, I do a tiny bit. I find her fascinating. Plus, I'm a quarter Icelandic, so, you know, I got to support hmm. the homeland a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <Huh>. Brett's. <laughs> You don't like <laughs> Bjork? Or? I don't listen to Bjork. Mm. Well, her, her music is does it cool speak in to a you, crazy Jason? way. Does it speak yeah. to you? Yeah, okay, it good. does. Unlike Prince. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, man, have you seen Bjork when she was, like, in her 20s? <sighs> hey, easy. <laughs> easy over there. <laughs> what? Uh, she did have quite the dress at the Oscars back in, what was that, 98? It's sad that that's yeah. what everyone remembers her for. Well, maybe if she did more than that one movie. I mean, she kind of did, but... Well, she kind of... <laughs> movies weren't really the big thing in her career, I mean. I'm just saying, but she's Icelandic actress that doesn't perform pop music. So how are, is anyone supposed to know her over here? She's well, an Icelandic musician that did Exactly. Ice, Keyword, Icelandic. What does that she, have to do with anything? She was famous for her stunts more than her music. Like, she beat up that reporter in Hong Kong or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying I mean, you're, you're proving my point by saying she's Icelandic and does not delve into pop music. How is an, a, the regular American Joe supposed to know her? No, I mean, I understand why people remember her that way. It's just sad because there's a lot of other interesting stuff well, yeah, about her. you know, And her skills as an actress, but yes, also obviously a singer. Mm-hmm. She's pretty, uh, pretty original. Mm-hmm. To be fair, she's... By far the most famous Icelandic person <laughs> in the world. Well, except for that uh, the except guy from Game of Thrones now, the tree, or whatever he's called. He just won oh, the world's yeah, strongest yeah. man. Isn't his name Thor? Yeah, like Thor Bjornsson? You don't even know his name, and he's like more that. famous than Bjork. Well, well he's know, more he's in the public eye these days. Because people I see him on so. Game of Thrones every fucking week. And yeah. like, oh, my God, did you see Game of Thrones? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, are people talking oh. about Bjork that way? I don't think so. I just saw a picture of him she's with like, his girlfriend recently, like actually. <laughs> she is tiny. Bjork? Yeah. No, the Thor, oh, Thor's yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. You saw that picture? Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a big Vikings works. fan because the Minnesota Vikings have kind of incorporated him and some other Icelandic people into their mythos. They had him over what? here. Yeah, last season they had him and a couple other Icelandic uh, people over here. They do that clap. Hmm. The clap, that's from Iceland. It was popularized. The clap I- is from Iceland? 
<laughs> the famous the skull chant. It's a little different. Uh, Icelandic chant is slightly different, but it came before. It was popular during, I believe, the Euro tournament uh, a couple of years ago when Iceland went pretty far. Hmm. Um, they do the American males clap. They do it really slow, mm-hmm. and then that gets faster. So okay. Vikings are, you know, part of Iceland's history. You know, all across Scandinavia for the Vikings, but yeah. Um, so yeah, they were over here. The Vikings sent some people over there. There's a there's one like high school football team over there. Like I don't know who what, they play in against. All of Iceland. Yeah, pretty much. They have one. They have like one like high school team. Huh. And so I don't. I think they just kind of scrimmage, but so they came over. They uh, three players went over there and did like a football camp and you know, meet and greet and hung out with Thor and all this other stuff. But, all right. Isn't it offensive to Nordic people that our football team here in Minnesota just uh, is built on the stereotype of their being Vikings and them having the pigtails and the horned helmets? Mm-hmm. Even though apparently they, they didn't have horns. Isn't, that, yeah, Isn't it offensive to have racial or, or ethnic stereotypes as Well, it's okay because they're white, so Wait. you just deal with it. <laughs> Did the Vikings even have that much to do with Iceland? I thought it was more like, uh, you know, around Sweden and Norway. Yeah, but they made their way west. They made their way west. You know, they went to Nova Scotia. They landed in the the New World before that hack Christopher Columbus did. Yeah. Is is Iceland considered part of Scandinavia? I don't know. Maybe. It's kind of off on its own. Yeah. Have you guys seen, there's a show, Vikings, right? Mm-hmm. I've never seen it, but hmm. I am well aware of this. Yeah. The Chad swears by it. He says <laughs> it's amazing. Does he now? Yeah, he tried to get me to watch it a few times. Mm. The Chad? Yeah, Chad. Mm-hmm. Former co-host of the show, Chad. He he was on a couple episodes. Also works at our place of business. Not in our building, but used to. I don't think I've met this Chad. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a shame. <laughs> so, why were we talking about Iceland again? Bjork. Bjork. Why were we talking about Bjork again? <laughs> because M- Michelle Gunner oh, right, directed right. a shit ton of her videos, right. and I thought okay. maybe you could shed some light on maybe like his visual style and like maybe what videos are the best. Uh, I can't actually. I'm not really. I I googled which videos of hers he did, and I hadn't seen them. Oh, really? Yeah, like, I mean, I know, like, a few of her videos that are really awesome, but I don't think they were ones that he directed, but um, I have seen The Science of Sleep, Okay. another movie that he directed. Yep. I would describe his style as whimsical. Uh But so, like, you're saying Wes Anderson, but on acid a little bit. Sure. You could say that. He did The Green Hornets. He did what? Yeah. Green Hornet. <laughs> thought yeah. that was just best left alone, but <laughs> he did be kind rewind. Yeah, I already mentioned yeah. that. Did you? Yeah. Yep. Which uh, is also you know I don't listen to this. <laughs> but it seems like he's really into practical effects. Mm-hmm. Like yep. we can talk later about how in this uh, there are some scenes where kind of people are appearing on opposite sides of the camera in different clothes and stuff, and he didn't want to mess with any digital editing for that. He had people running mm-hmm. around behind the camera to get in place and stuff. And there there was a part in the special features on the DVD of Eternal Sunshine that seemed to kind of tie into his style as well. There's a, l- a little thing where they built a car that's basically 
a bed with a steering wheel. And then they had Jim Carrey dressed up in like pajamas and he's driving around on this bed. <laughs> I don't know. Just, it seems like he likes to kind of keep the mood light on set and just kind of go with almost it, a part of it almost reminds me of David Lynch. Just the idea mm-hmm. of like, if a, an idea comes to you, just kind of go with that. And you know, it's not so, it's not as structured as a lot of directors might want yeah. things to be surreal also you know like, yeah yeah like david lynch yeah totally dreamlike also very david lynch mm-hmm. but right off the bat uh the idea for this movie is also a little fun fact here's a fun fact um the idea for this film was brought to michel gondry by his friend and artist pierre bismuth who suggested you get a card in the mail that says someone you know has just erased you from their memory and he went from there. Yeah, like didn't his idea was to actually do an experiment like that and film people's reactions mm-hmm. or something like that. I think uh, Gondry thought he should uh, focus it on a relationship. Mm-hmm. Thought it'd be, be a little more grounded, and that side of it kind of fascinated him more. He's more interested in that. But uh, so, do you just want to get into the story here? Sure. Okay. I just want to say, there's a few people that I wish would send me one of those cards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's name names here. Yeah, storytelling time. You don't know them. It's it's okay. <laughs> you wouldn't know them. All right. You probably um, would. <laughs> <laughs> they come up to your work, ask you a question, and you just like look at them like you don't know them. Like, I've... I've That's I've a good idea. Twiles over. I'll send, I'll send those cards to other people. <laughs> <clears throat> Fuck waiting for other people to send them to me. I'll send them to other people. Then I'll pretend like I don't know them. Yeah. You know, this just reminded me of uh, something I learned in college. I took a sociology class, and they were talking about these experiments that some somebody did somewhere, some university where. There was like a teacher that would send his students home and say, okay, you're going to go like visit your parents over break, but you're going to act like a stranger in their house, kind of like ask them permission to like go to the bathroom or be excused from the dinner table or whatever, like act like you're staying at a bed and breakfast or something. Mm -hmm. And like the parents would start to just go crazy, like what is wrong with my kid, you know? (laughs) And... uh there was another one where people would kind of choose a target, like a single person to mess with, and then they would all try to convince that person that all of their perceptions are wrong. So, like, if that person says, oh, this is white, everybody's like, what are you talking about? That's clearly black, you know, or up is down, left is right. And it's, just called, ri- it's called gaslighting. <laughs> yeah, basically. But they would have a whole group of people in on it, so that this this one person would start to question their own perceptions, and it it's scary how quickly people kind of start to lose their sense of reality and their sanity. Like people would actually get driven to the point of suicide really quickly when they don't think they can trust themselves. Mm-hmm. So just thinking about you know the effect that a procedure like in this movie would have on you know the person that's been erased kind of messed up mm-hmm. i think um, you described high school bullying <laughs> <laughs> uh all right well let's dive into the story here so 
Shy and soft-spoken Joel Barish and unrestrained free spirit Clementine, was it Krasinski? Krasinski. Krasinski. Mm-hmm. Begin a relationship on a Long Island Railroad train from Montauk to Rockville Center. They're almost immediately drawn to each other, despite their contrasting personalities, and both had felt the need to travel to Montauk that day. Although they do not realize it, Joel and Clementine are in fact former lovers, now separated after having spent two years together. After a fight, Clementine had hired the New York City firm Lacuna Inc. to erase all of her memories of their relationship. Upon discovering this from his friend Rob and Carrie, Joel was devastated and decided to undergo the procedure himself, a process that takes place while he sleeps. Did you go through the cast? Yes, I mm-hmm. did. I'm really not paying attention <laughs> today. Here's a fun fact. Um, during the train scene, Kate Winslet actually punches Jim Carrey, and this was not staged or planned, and Carrey's response is that of genuine surprise. Because mm-hmm. I don't know where she just decks him. Yeah. Well, Clementine is very... Uh, or I guess straightforward with her, I guess ambition to strike up a conversation and kind of get to know Joel's like very introverted mm-hmm. kind of he's he's looking at her like he's drawing a picture of her, but he doesn't yeah he's also very shy and doesn't really want to doesn't have the balls to say anything because she even yeah. sees him earlier. He's trying to wave at him and he's like looking the other way, trying not to. I guess get a conversation going. Yeah, she's very not shy at all. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what what did you guys think of the character of Clementine? Just like first impression. If you were to meet someone like that in real life, what would you think? I'd probably be annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I already want to erase you from my memory. <laughs> I would find her to be. A little nutso, but very attracted to her at the same time. Mm. It'd be one of those things where I'm like, God, I'm really attracted to her, but I know it's a really bad fucking idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. Like I should not, I shouldn't strike up a conversation with her, but then I would anyways. Yeah. Because it'd be worth it at the end. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I've seen this movie many times, but this last time, it's, it's probably been several years since the last time I watched it before this time. And it just struck me how, like, I would not want to get into a relationship with a person like that. I mean, she's, like I was saying before, you know, these people are flawed, like both of them. And I don't know, It, I guess it stood out more clearly to me this time than maybe when I was younger mm-hmm. watching it. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, she's kind of crazy. That's the thing with me, too. Like, I'm very attracted to free spirits, but mm-hmm. free spirits aren't necessarily the best thing for like a long-term relationship. Yeah. And they can be hard to keep up with, you know? Yeah. So that then you run into problems. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you mentioned, uh, how his friends, Carrie and, uh, his name, David Cross. Yeah. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of ones that break it to Joel that she Rob erased him. Rob and Carrie. So I thought that was interesting. They, so when, you guys Someone want to smoke a joint? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give He's it like, a rest, Rob. <laughs> He's like bored his heart out. Do you guys want to smoke a joint? Yeah. It's getting too real right now. <laughs> but so they, they kind of show that when someone gets erased from someone's mind, anybody that is connected to that, well, I guess anyone that's connected to the person that did the erasing 
gets a little message that says, you know, this person has been erased from this person's mind, so please don't mention it to them, right? Because I don't want to confuse them. Mm -hmm. But Joel never heard anything when Clementine erased him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because he had to hear from them. So doesn't that seem really cruel to kind (laughs) of leave it to that person to figure out what the hell happened? Because... I mean, pretty much in any situation I can think of, if someone's erased from someone else's mind, that person is eventually going to go try to talk to them and they're mm-hmm. going to be met with, you know, total yeah. blank Which is what reactions. happens. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But yeah, I mean, doesn't they, that just seem... they, were, they weren't supposed to tell them, you know, and they just end up telling Right. Them. Well, and how... I don't know. I don't, I don't get the logic there because it seems just cruel. It seems like... That would be the first person you tell. Right. Like, you've been erased, so don't try to... (laughs) (laughs) So fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. There should be kind of a restraining order that goes in conjunction with the erasing, you know, so you don't mess it all up. That's a matter for the courts, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also found a little something about memory erasure. It's kind of possible. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, this you, movie came out oh four. If you hit somebody in the head hard enough, <laughs> be drinking off in the night. I mean, I time travel every other weekend, but just so, ask Brett Favre. He forgot that his <laughs> daughter played soccer for ten years. He forgot the nineties. <laughs> um, so, not a laughing matter. Head injuries are not funny. <laughs> well, it's also from all the pills he was taking, and that, and all the, uh, the alcohol, and yeah, Viking and booze together. It's, yeah. Um, so it's not a laughing matter. Yeah. This movie came out in 04 and now it's 2018, but, uh, it is somewhat possible here. This, this is what I found online here. So memory erasure, and that's what I get. It's a weird term. E R, you know, E or sorry, E R A S U R E. So memory erasure, mm-hmm. but it just sounds like such a weird term for what it is like. That's what it is, like memory erasing, but erasure. It's the noun form of, noun, the, of noun the verb form. erase. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so memory erasure is the select, or is the selective artificial removal of memories or associations from the mind. There are many reasons that research is being done on the selective removal of memories. Potential patients for this research include patients suffering from uh, psychiatric disorders such as. Uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or substance uh, use disorder among others memory erasure has been shown to be possible in some experimental conditions some of the techniques currently being investigated are drug-induced amnesia selective memory suppression destruction of neurons interruption of memory um, reconsolidation and the disruption of specific molecular mechanisms yeah, it seems like this is the type of thing that's being explored more and more. Not yeah. just not just for the purposes of memory erasure, but for other I guess just mental health in general. Yeah. Cuz everyone's <laughs> trying to figure out, well, if we give them this drug and we give them <laughs> yeah. this and their brain yeah. chases and does this, well maybe that's a good thing. I yeah. don't know. I'm just imagining somebody that or they're like this guy's just so messed up. Just wipe <laughs> it clean and have him start over. <laughs> But so, what, where were you? Did you find an article or something about that? Uh, when I, was that from? I believe it was a like a hyperlink from Wikipedia, hmm. and maybe that was like the general gist of it. Because yeah. they gave you know, there's always citations. 
that lead to other articles right, right. that point to it. But yeah. I just remember reading an article about it at some point years ago. And at that point, they were talking about how they could really only erase memories from within like the last couple of days or something. So I don't know where it's progressed to now if mm-hmm. they're able to like target specific memories. But I mean, for it to help with PTSD and stuff, they would need to reach back yeah. years probably. I always kind of like movies I love. Like, I wish I could watch it again for the first time, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, just but, erase all those from your mind and watch it That's why you like watching it with with people who haven't seen that movie before. Because mm-hmm. you kind of live vicariously through them and live through their reactions. I'm the always movie. disappointed in people's reactions <laughs> when I do that. <laughs> well, Come on, that was great. I wanted you, more than that. Well, you got to stop saying, hey, watch this. Wait for this part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This part's oh, hilarious. D- just you know, like, stop talking. This part is great. Brett, how many people have you watched Norbit with? Uh, I think the only time I've watched it was somebody who was in the theater with my roommate okay. in college. <laughs> that doesn't count since that was your first time as well. Yeah. You didn't have to worry about him. You were having your, a good time just by yourself. Oh, it was <laughs> literally because there's nobody else in the theater. <laughs> it was one of those like private screenings on a public theater. Uh-huh. We laughed and laughed. <laughs> so, yeah, we were talking about Kate Winslet and how she's a little, her character's a little out there in the beginning, a little nutso. Mm-hmm. She's a little unhinged, I thought. I was thinking to myself, she isn't too far away from sending somebody 60,000 text messages. <laughs> you yeah, guys heard about yeah. that story? No. Okay, this woman, I think it was in Arizona? It was somewhere in the southwest, I, don't I believe. I where it was, but... Yeah. But she was arrested for stalking this guy because she went on two dates with him. She ended up sending him 60,000 text messages over the span of, I think it was less than a week. Yeah. I think it was a couple days. Yeah. It's impressive. And they get progressively like more terrifying. <laughs> like they get to like, hey, you know, don't ever leave me or I'll find you and murder you. Or then like, hey, I'm going to bathe in your blood and stuff like that. Wow. <laughs> they interviewed her like at the jail and whatnot and she is just her eyes are like she is lit up and she wasn't a bad looking girl she was she looked fit she looked she wasn't ugly so it seemed to me like she shouldn't have a hard time finding a mate well you know but... what they say about the relationship <laughs> between hot and crazy what do they say <laughs> hotter the crazier do they yeah the hotter the crazier I don't know. Kate Winslet, Never heard for my money, like that. Kate Winslet but, is like my biggest crush in all of the film world or celebrity world in general. She's pretty great. She would be, uh, she would be my, the person I would most want to end up with in life. Kate, if mm. you're listening, open <laughs> invitation. Come to Murderapolis. We'll set you up. Kate Winslet <laughs> is to she, you as Phoebe Cates is to me. Yes. <laughs> Should she bring her children with or... <laughs> Well, well, she okay. She got a divorce from Sam Mendes. Did she? I'm not sure she remarried. She might have gotten engaged again or something. I don't know. I can't remember. But I know she was back on the market for a while. Brett, Brett, you can figure it out. Send out some. Uh, <laughs> if we can get the word out of my undying love for Kate Winslet, that that would just be super. I heard it goes down in the DMs. So uh, <laughs> you got a Twitter account for the show. <laughs> She's been married to Ned Rock and Roll since December 5th, 2012. 2012? She divorced Sam Mendes in 2010. Okay. 
Damn she, got, she, she divorced Jim uh, Threppleton in 2001. She got a kid with each of them. Okay. Huh. Ned Rock and Roll. Do you think that's his Rock uh, and Roll? His, his, uh, <laughs> given name? Wait, what? Is it? Can it's, you spell that for me? Is there like an apostrophe on either side of the <laughs> N in there? It's, it's N E D is the first name. Uh huh. And then it's R O C K N R O L L. What the fuck? <laughs> he does not have an IMDb. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it started with Kate Winslet back in the 90s. It probably started with Titanic. Hmm. Oh, well, I see. <laughs> might, might have been where that it started. That scene during your formative years. Well, I was I was right? 11, I guess, when I saw that on the big screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Kate Winslet, but sorry, where was I going with that? I'm talking no about idea. how crazy Clementine is oh yeah um but yeah that girl in arizona she oh, was right, just right. being interviewed Sixty thousand. so, so didn't she it have was, a psychiatric evaluation before she got i don't know uh-huh. it, she, she was in jail for you know she wasn't she wasn't convicted yet okay You're just so she awaiting. was obviously arrested on you know like stalking sure. or making terroristic threats type of thing yeah and then uh while she was being held there she was interviewed mm. and it was she's like you know we love somebody you know you love somebody. That's it. I want to be with him. All right. And she was like dead set on this guy after like one I or mean, two dates. Love does make people pretty freaking crazy sometimes. Yeah. Scary. But I personally, I can't see Clementine going quite that far. She just seems yeah. like one of those people that's so outgoing that she doesn't care if she's like getting really annoying and imposing on other people because she just, all she wants to do is keep talking, mm-hmm. you know, at least in that first scene. With yeah. her, that's the impression I get. Well, she gets pissed off at him like two, three times, even though he all he was trying to do is be nice. Yeah, yeah like she she's keeps on coming back, and like she apologizes at least once. Yeah, like she's just going along with whatever she's feeling, and she's so absorbed in her own mind that she doesn't care what he what what he thinks about this whole interaction. You know, because mm-hmm. he he pretty clearly just wants to be left alone. He's not really, or at least, well, he's too shy to do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, he's. Yeah, I mean, you tell he he does find her attractive, but this is a tangent. But Ned Rock and Roll is the nephew of uh, Richard Branson. <laughs> what? And uh, the son of Ned Rock and Roll and Kate Winslet is named Bear Blaze Winslet. Oh my god! So this Ned Rock and Roll guy is a real <laughs> silver spooned asshole, if you he, ask me. He works for Virgin <laughs> Galactic. <Ugh>. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonder how he got that job. <laughs> Must be for being really smart, right? I thought Richard Branson wasn't giving money to any of his kids. They were supposed to like do something for well, him. He's not a kid. He's a nephew, right? Oh, nephew? I'm sorry. <laughs> he's I thought a he's nephew, a yeah. son. Oh, the nephews, yeah. He'll <laughs> yeah. give them all the money. To, his real know, name what? is Edward Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you would willingly change your name to Ned. Or rock and roll. Rock and roll. <laughs> Sounds like a real D-bag to me. Ned rock and <laughs> he roll. He probably doesn't even play an instrument. Kate, lose the zero, get with the hero. Okay. <laughs> All right, um, I'm going to play a clip here. This is Joel and Clementine on the train. Just a snippet of it, of their grander conversation. My name is Clementine, by the way. I'm Joel. Hi, Joel. No jokes about my name. Oh, no, you wouldn't do that. You're trying to be nice. I don't know any jokes about your name. Huckleberry Hound. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Huckleberry Hound? What are you nuts? It's been suggested. 
<laughs> oh, my darling, no, oh, my darling, no, oh, my darling, Clementine. You were lost and gone forever. Dreadful sorry, Clementine. No? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It's just, it's a pretty name though, it really is nice. It uh, means merciful, right, uh, clemency? Although it hardly fits, I'm a vindictive little bitch, truth be told. Gee, I, I wouldn't think that about you. Why wouldn't you think that about me? I don't know, just, you know, I don't know, I just uh, seem nice, so. Oh, now I'm nice? God, don't you know any other adjectives? I don't need nice. I don't need myself to be it, and I don't need anybody else to be it at me. Okay. Joel? It's Joel, right? Yes. I'm sorry I yelled at you. I'm a little out of sorts today. She just goes from zero to 60 and back yeah, again. Yeah. Up and down, up and down. Zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> You listen to Drake? <laughs> no. Thank you. Oh, he doesn't speak Thank to you. Thank God. Okay. Ice Cube said he's done. Who, Drake? Yeah. So his career's over. Oh, that's good. He's Ice Cube said Drake is done? Oh, well, they're asking him about... Ice Cube's the OG. He's the godfather. <laughs> sure. He was saying... Uh, or people were asking him about the Drake and Pusha T... Beef. Beef and the, the diss track and... And he was saying, like, well, Drizzy's done anyways. And he went on to talk about how people only have three years in the rap game anyways. You know, after three years, you're done. They move on to find somebody else. Well, Drake's last beef before that was with Kendrick Perkins at the Toronto Raptors game. <laughs> three years? Hasn't Drake been around since, like... Yeah, but he, he isn't what he was. Okay. Just like, you know, like, Lil Wayne was at the top of the game for, like, three years, and then, you know... Then he got on that scissor. <laughs> Or he got off it, one of the two. <laughs> so this is like probably the tail end of like Kendrick Lamar's at the top, because before Kendrick Lamar, it was like Drake for three years. And okay, sure. When's the last time everyone was, you know, all about that Drake? Yeah. <laughs> all about that Drizzy? Oh, uh, I don't know. Probably when he was doing the, uh, what was the slogan? YOLO? When he was doing the YOLO shit? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, YOLO is so like 2000 and late, dude. That's like mm-hmm. 2000, what, 10? You know what? <laughs> 2000 and late. Phrase 2000 and late. <laughs> yeah. I know. That was the joke. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I, got, I don't know how we got to Drake. Oh, I, I said. Uh, <laughs> you just <laughs> started talking about Drake. That's how we got on Drake. No, I, I quoted one of his songs. <laughs> mm. Zero to 100? Zero to 100, real quick. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, so, anyway. Let's uh, get back to the story here. Yeah. So, rem- listeners, remember that part about Huckleberry Hound. We're going to come back to that later, right? Yeah, we will. Huckleberry Hound, Home of Darling, Clementine. He was like stuff. the first gay cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. It wasn't really a... Didn't see Huckleberry Hound. Wasn't he? Or am I thinking of somebody else? No idea. There's another one. You could look it up, maybe. maybe. Is a Huckleberry Hound gay? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we find out that you know Clementine had Joel erased from her memory through Rob and Carrie, and uh, Joel decides he wants to have the procedure done. I have another little cl- clip here of Tom Wilkinson explaining part of the uh, procedure. Now the uh, 
The first thing we need you to do, Mr. Barish, is to go home and collect everything you own that has some association with Clementine. Anything. We'll use these items to create a map of Clementine in your brain, okay? So we'll need uh, uh, photos, clothing, gifts, books she may have bought you, CDs you may have bought together, journal entries. We want to empty your home. We want to empty your life of Clementine. And after the mapping is done, our technicians will do the erasing in your home tonight. That way, when you awake in the morning, you find yourself in your own bed as if nothing had happened. A new life awaiting you. Yep. So, I'll just continue with the story here. Uh, Much of the film subsequently takes place in Joel's mind during this memory erasure procedure. Joel finds himself revisiting his memories of Clementine in reverse. Just like Memento. (laughs) Starting from the disintegration of their relationship, uh, as he becomes acro- as he comes across happier, positive memories of Clementine early in his relationship, he decides to preserve at least some memory of her and his love for her, trying to evade the procedure by taking his idealized memory of Clementine into memories not related to her, or waking up to stop the process. Despite his efforts, the memories are steadily erased. He comes to the last remaining memory of Clementine, the day he had first met her at a beach house in Montauk. Uh, as this memory disintegrates around them, she tells him, meet me in Montauk. <laughs> well, that just skipped through kind of the whole rest of the movie. Well, after that, <laughs> and all the, the separate but related story arcs revolving. Okay, you want me to get into that? What, the the story in, in real time, kind of, while well, he's here. getting erased? Here, I'll just say it here. Um so there's separate but related story arcs revolving around the employees of Lacuna are revealed during Joel's memory erasure. Patrick, one of the Lacuna technicians. Hey, tomato. Patrick, baby boy. <laughs> so Elijah Wood, Patrick, is just creepy McCreepensteins. Oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> sure is. Holy crap. It's like he, he was auditioning for that maniac role about... Ten years ahead of time. It looks like a fucking uh-huh. hobbit, too. <laughs> <laughs> totally. This was right in his hobbit heyday. This is 04. Yeah, so this I guess was when so. This is right um, after the, the Return of the King. Eh? Yeah, Return of the King was yeah. 03. So. Yeah. And he's kind of testing the waters with uh, Mark Ruffalo's character. Like, I want to talk about how creepy I'm being, but I'm not sure how creepy he's going to think it is. So first, he's like, you know, that girl that we worked on a while ago? Kind of stole her panties. And he's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, yeah. And then they both start laughing about it. So Elijah's character, Patrick, baby boy, it's like, okay, okay. Now I can, I can share a little bit, a little bit of creepier stuff. And then it's like, basically he's, he's stolen all of the stuff that she brought in that reminded her of Joel. Mm-hmm. And he's using that to take Joel's place, basically. Really yeah. fucked up. Like, he's giving her presents that Joel gave her. He's using the exact same lines that he said to her mm-hmm. to try to seduce her. Really messed up. And so here's a little, I'm going to present a little uh, fan theory I have. 
So while Patrick is kind of trying to seduce Clementine in this really fucked up way, she's kind of becoming more and more unhinged, right? Like every time he says something that like almost triggers a memory that has been erased from her mind, she kind of starts to freak out. Mm-hmm. You know, there are scenes where she's like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm crawling out of my skin. I don't know what's happening to me. Like, none of my thoughts make sense. And, like, it seems like he's making it worse yeah. doing that kind of thing, you know? And then, uh, so in the special features and some fun facts I read about the movie, the original concept for the movie was going to have uh, Mary, one of the technicians at Lacuna, kind of looking back at this whole thing years later, like she's an old woman and she's looking back and she has all these old files. And basically you find out that Joel and Clementine have been through this cycle of erasing each other and then finding each other again, like dozens of times. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if, you know, we talked, we're talking about how crazy Clementine seems, even at the beginning. I wonder if originally that was almost uh, like, calling out to that fact that maybe her mind has been erased over and over again and it just kind of is slowly (laughs) crumbling like her whole you know uh emotional stability kind of yeah so he gives her one of like joel's last gift which was that necklace Mm -hmm. she's like oh it's, it's crazy nobody you know is able to buy jewelry that i actually like you know or like Nobody knows her taste in jewelry. Yeah, and she gives him this look like, wh- how yeah. How do you know like this about me, that I would like something like, like this? Like she likes it, but then she's like, okay, I'll, I'll talk to you later. See yeah, you. Like, like this makes me uncomfortable. Get the fuck out of here now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is so weird. Yeah. Well, and especially there's a moment where they go out to the Charles, and it's frozen, and they're laying down, mm-hmm. Patrick and Clementine, just like Joel and Clementine had. And he uses... Word for word, like the same line that Joel had die. said to her. I could die right yeah. now. <laughs> and he delivers it totally like emotionless, like, you know, he's just reading off a script. And right at that moment, she's like, oh, what the fuck? Like, I, I need to get out of here. We need to leave. This is this is really weird. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll just continue on with the kind of the side story. So... Patrick, you know, one of Lacuna technicians performing the erasure, uses Joel's memories and mannerisms to seduce and romance Clementine. Mary, the Lacuna receptionist, is dating the other memory-erasing technician, Stan, but has feelings for Dr. Howard, uh, the married doctor and head of Lacuna. During Joel's memory wipe, Mary discovers she had previously had an affair with with the doctor and agreed to have this erased from her memory when uh, it's like... What's his name? Mirvix? Mirviax? Mirzwiak? Mirzwiak, yeah. When Dr. Mirzwiak's wife uh, found out. On learning this, she asked Stan whether he knew about this, to which he claims that he didn't. Mary then quits her job and steals the company's records, mailing them to all of Lacuna's customers out of revenge. Uh, The film returns to the present after Joel and Clementine have met at the train station of Montauk. They both come upon their lacuna records later that day and react with shock and bewilderment. They have no clear memory of having known each other, let alone having had a relationship and having had their memories erased. Joel pleads with Clementine to start the relationship. Clementine uh, initially resists, pointing out it could go the same way. Joel accepts this and they, they decide to try anyway. So sweet. Good for them. <laughs> 
see, that's most of the, I mean, that's pretty much the whole story, but because the bulk of this movie is the erasing of Jim Carrey's memories. Mm-hmm. And yeah, being told in reverse, it is very unique. The visual style is, it's probably the most, I guess, memorable thing about this movie. Like, I hadn't watched this in a long time, but I don't think I'll ever forget that scene when uh, he he's trying to come up with ways, since he can't wake up and stop the procedure, you know, he starts yeah. to um, regret that he's doing it. He wants to call it off, but he can't. And so he him and Clementine come up with a scheme where if he brings her into other memories that aren't associated with her, maybe he can like hide her there. So he brings her to a memory from when he was four and he's in the kitchen. Um, and so like she is brought back. I was almost like a friend of his mom's. In yeah. The like his babysitter. Yeah. And so he's four but it's still Jim Carrey and they use forced perspective yeah. uh, for most of it. Some of it's a little almost like they used rear projection for some shots of, or like a green screen with Kate Winslet. Which part? Um, I don't, it's hard to, hard to describe. It's when they're basically when they're right next to each other. Oh, like under the table or something. Yeah. When he's under the table and she's not under the table. When she's standing right next to him. Yeah, that would make sense. When she flashes her panties. <laughs> I was going to say, is that why you remember that scene so much? No, no, I don't remember that. No, it just, it's so funny that, you know, Jim Carrey's acting like a four-year-old and they build these, you know, like this huge fridge and this not, tall table. That's not, real, not a real stretch for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then when she flashes her panties, he's like, oh, yuck, <laughs> I'm four. <laughs> but it's so cool. They built that huge set to accommodate him looking or being the size yeah. of a four-year-old yeah but then also having a normal size set for kate winslet to walk around and the mother and they kind of blend it all together very yeah. seamlessly it is really cool i saw in the special features there's a part where they kind of show that scene from different angles you can see what the you know how they did the forced perspective thing mm-hmm. crazy i like i still can't wrap my head around that it's like the table is all slanted and the front is way bigger than the back of it yep it's really weird yeah when she gets down I think on her knees and she's looking at him under the table. That's all in one shot. But yeah, so with that forced perspective where the, you know, the bigger or the bigger side of the table is in the foreground, mm-hmm. smaller in the background. The way they do that is pretty original. And like you mentioned earlier, there's virtually no like CGI used with this. Mm-hmm. I saw the main thing they use CGI for was, uh, the cabin at the end, uh, the last memory that's erased, which was the first memory of Clementine or his first memory of Clementine when they meet, um, when they're in that random beach house, yeah, beach house. Mm-hmm. And that kind of collapses on itself that yeah. they had to use CGI for that. And there's yeah. a couple of things here or there. Like there are parts where kind of pieces of the landscape are like disappearing and stuff as the memory mm-hmm. gets erased. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool that um, other little fun fact that uh, the scene where Jim Carrey is revisiting Lacuna in his head while he's out during the procedure. So there's technically there's two Jim Carreys in the scene. There's the one that's knocked out and the one that's walking around. Isn't he kind of telling him to stop it? 
Isn't he trying yeah. to plead? Yeah, with he's like to trying to talk to the doctor. Yeah, the yeah. Doc- is that when the doctor has a face or doesn't have a face? They do it a couple times. Yeah, like the first time he has his face, and then he goes back, mm-hmm. and the memory is deteriorating more. So like everybody's face is all messed up. Yeah, because when they said the, when it's just like a skin face, yeah. that was uh, Michel Gondry's knee, <laughs> that is like superimposed over the doctor's face. Yeah, that's creepy. I mean, and then yeah. there's a the part where. Uh, he turns around and Patrick is there and like he like drops some books and he's picking them up and his eyes are upside down and it, yeah. yeah just everything looks really creepy. Really? And there's just one like I think when they were filming that they just had Jim Carrey like hold out a light bulb in front of him so it's like really dimly lit like only the thing that the camera is focusing on is even visible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was saying when that scene with two Jim Carreys that wasn't a camera trick or a CGI they literally they had Jim Carrey like in the foreground, and then when the camera just kind of slides off him just a little bit, he he ducks around and he changes clothes, and then he gets into the other position of the other, you know, Jim Carrey. Yeah. And so they were able to do it seamlessly within one shot. They didn't cut at all, and he was able to maneuver himself in there so that seamless transition. The viewer is none the wiser. Mm-hmm. They had that one scene too where. Um... He remembers going to the bookstore to talk to Clementine, and she doesn't remember him. And he sees Patrick, like, behind a bunch of books, and he pulls him up, and all he sees is the back of his head, and he turns him around, and it's still the back of his head, because he mm-hmm. doesn't know what he yeah. fucking looks like. Does like a, pulls a Selma Blair. <laughs> Not Selma Blair, um, who am I thinking of from Exorcist? Yeah, Linda Blair. Linda Blair. Linda Blair. <laughs> Linda Blair. So, so Hulk and Frodo are erasing his memory. And Mary comes in and she starts, (laughs) it was funny. So Frodo leaves to try and get with Clementine and Mary and Hulk smoke some weed. They're dancing around in their underwear. Yeah. And then they have sex. I guess there was a, a deleted scene where they actually showed like this. There's actually an actual sex scene between the two, but you get the gist. I'm sure Jason watched that. Did you watch that? Uh, I don't recall that deleted scene being on the DVD special yeah. features. I just saw that it was like a little quote-unquote fun fact. Remember, when we do say fun fact, they aren't all necessarily facts. Or fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are. It's from Most of it is from IMDb trivia, but generally it's considered that they're facts. But I guess the ones that aren't are like the type of fun facts you hear like, oh, uh, Al Pacino auditioned for the role of this person, but he didn't get it. Or Jack Nicholson was offered this role, but he turned it down. And like, well, I don't because they <laughs> there'll have movies where there'll be like twenty different people right. that were supposedly offered the role or yeah. auditioned and turned it down, or you know didn't get it. And it's like, well, I don't. You can say that about a lot of movies. I don't think they're really involved. I think I read something like that about this movie. Like the role of Joel was offered to somebody. Did you do you remember anything like that? I don't I remember who it was. I remember down. thinking that it was a person that it would have been a completely different movie and not as good. I don't remember who it was. Was it a singer? I don't think so. I think it was. I don't remember. The audience can look it up for themselves. Jim Carrey yeah. seems like a really odd choice for this role anyways it worked so well though Mm -hmm. he's so good in dramatic roles if he's just given the chance you know and the decent material he can 
he can hold more than hold his own. I mean, he was on a hot streak after uh, Man on the Moon and Truman Show. And a couple of years later, he has this come out. I mean, he was on a roll dramatically. And now it's gotten to the point where... Is he still acting? Oh, sure. There's a movie that's out right now. I think it's called Dark Crimes. Oh. It is 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and it's a serious role for him. I forget the plot of the movie, but... Nicholas Cage. I got it. Yeah, Nicholas Cage. Can you believe that? Yeah. Can you imagine this movie with Nicholas Cage? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, okay. But not Dark Crimes. Eternal Sunshine, Nicholas Cage. Yeah. yeah okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can, yeah, I can definitely see this movie with Nicholas Cage. Really? Nicholas Cage is a chameleon. He can do anything he fucking wants, okay? You know what Jim Carrey sure. should do? A movie about uh, he gets a spell put on him where he can't do something like can't say a word or can't. <laughs> come on jason what the reference i get the reference well what is it then liar liar well, you looked confused at first no <laughs> no i was referencing yes ma'am um. <laughs> Both. um no but yeah, he can be a really great uh, dramatic actor, but I say these days, it seems like over the past year or two, he's kind of gone off the deep end. Not that he can't do it anymore, but like I, I talked about that documentary, Jim and Andy, mm-hmm. you know, The Great Beyond, and it's a fascinating documentary, but when, when they're interviewing Jim Carrey, he just seems so pretentious yeah, and just like a huge blowhard, and you're just like, oh God, like. Do you just smell your own farts all day, every day, or do you do anything else besides those fucking paintings? <laughs> I was going to say he paints. <laughs> yeah, he does those paintings. I haven't seen his paintings. Oh, all they do, well, he's oh, a, wow. He's quite the activist. You know, he's obviously not a fan of, you know, Trump and pretty much anyone involved with the administration. And so he has like a new painting like every week of here's, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and he has one for Trump and all these like different like, oh. Republican figures. Yeah. And it's pretty funny because. Um, you know, all those people have kind of warranted a lot of the criticism that they get. Oh, no way. But he's, this... all, he's still an anti-vaxxer, which seems to come like, yeah, what the... like butt heads with his current political ideology. I didn't, I guess I have seen at least one of these paintings. I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was Jim Carrey's though. The one where Trump is rubbing his nipple and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but They're it's so like... weird because. Some people would say, like, oh, he got that from Jenny McCarthy because Jenny McCarthy's an yeah. old big anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Well, he split up with her in 2010. And in 2015, California passed some sort of law that I think requires some sort of vaccinations for children. Mm-hmm. I forget the specifics of it, but it has something to do with that. And he was all up in arms about it. And he, like, I think he called the governor saying that they're, forced, they're forcing, like, children to be poisoned and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, so on one hand... You're against this big Trump administration. On the other hand, you hate vaccines. <laughs> so, I mean, you're saying that it didn't come from Jenny McCarthy? Well, Maybe I don't she know just did, poisoned his mind and he's just <laughs> yeah. holding on to all this stuff. Yeah, but you think uh, he wouldn't, like, five years after the fact, he wouldn't hold on to that. Like, yeah. he wouldn't be able to be so against Trump and the Republicans and still be an anti-vaxxer. I guess I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's plenty of anti-vaxxers that aren't Trump fans. But it seems to me that a lot of those people fall in the same categories. But I don't know. Maybe I'd be wrong. I feel like the anti-vax crowd is a wide spectrum. 
<laughs> Do you think it's yeah. a wide spectrum or are they on a wide spectrum? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the spectrum's that wide. I think they would beg to differ. Well, they aren't. Their kids are. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it just seems so weird that... It's not good to joke about people's illnesses. Well, I'm not. I'm just... I think it's really funny that Jim Carrey's like so anti-Trump yet also so anti-vax. You're like, this is weird. like pick a spot. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, he doesn't seem well. I, I also I think it has to do with that former girlfriend of his that committed suicide, even though she, you know she was married to this other guy, and because mm-hmm. he was sued by um, civil suits were brought against him from uh, the woman's husband. And then another one is, I think, from her parents. I just can't imagine what it must be like to be Jim Carrey. Just thinking so, about his whole life. Like, mm-hmm, that's, yeah. that's a lot for one human being to handle, you know? On top of the world. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, a lot of things happen. And there was a lot of things accused of him from those uh, civil cases. But, yeah, I'm not going to repeat them cause, because it's random hearsay. It's people... You know, civil suits bitching about each other. I think the suits were dismissed, right? I'm not sure. I think at least one was. Yeah. The other one that I was reading, I was I wasn't sure if that was dismissed or not. I don't know. Either way, though, um, yeah, he's had some hard times over the past several years, and I'm sure that's taken quite the toll on him. But this is back in the whimsical, having fun, Jim Carrey. What a time it was. <laughs> But yeah, as I was saying, um, after Mary and Hulk, you know, have sex and they're kind of hanging out and stuff starts um, messing up on the memory eraser procedure, you know, they kind of figures it out. He gets the doctor to come and help out. And that's when it's revealed that you know she has a crush on him. And then, oop, uh, they used to have a relationship. The wife found out and mm-hmm. she had a memory erased. But uh, she, Mary brings up a poem by Alexander Pope. Or she says, Pope Alexander, <laughs> mistakenly. Mm-hmm. I have the Alexander Pope poem that she talks about. Um, quote, how happy is the blameless Vestal's lot, the world forgetting by the world forgot. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, each prayer accepted and each wish uh, resigned. But uh, so I have some stuff written here. I didn't write it. I copied and pasted from various sources. But um, the title of this, I guess, passage is um, Eloisa to Abelard. I'm pronouncing those terribly, but just bear with me. Uh, It's an Ovidian heroic epistle of which Pope had earlier published an example translated from the Latin in 1714, Sapo to Phaon. There's going to be a lot of incorrect words to people, so just bear with me. So his own original exercise in this genre was, was inspired by the 12th century story Eloise de Argentule, his illicit love for and secret marriage to her teacher, Peter Abelard, a famous Parisian philosopher some 20 years her senior. After their affair and marriage, her family took brutal revenge, or sorry, took brutal vengeance on Abelard and castrated him. Ugh. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Following which he entered a monastery and compelled Eloise to become a nun. Both then led comparatively successful monastic careers. 
Uh, years later, Abelard completed the Historia Calamitatum, which is the history of misfortunes, uh, cast as a letter of consolation to a friend. Uh, when it fell into Eloise's hands, her passion for him was reawakened, and there was an exchange of four letters between them written in ornate Latin style. In an effort to make sense of their personal tragedy, these explored the nature of human and divine love. However, their incompatible male and female perspectives made the dialogue painful for both. In Pope's poem, Eloisa confesses to the suppressed love that his letter has reawakened. She recalls their former life together and its violent aftermath, comparing the happy state of the blameless Vestal with her own reliving of past passion and sorrow. The memory of it turns the landscape gloomy and breathes a browner horror on the woods, which is from line 170. Uh, it disturbs the performance of her religious offices, where Abelard's image, quote, steals between my God and me, from line 267. That, that's the thing. I didn't put down the poem because it seems like there's hundreds and hundreds of limes. Limes? Yeah, limes. Are there any lines to this uh, story? How many lemons are there? It's like, can a poem be too long? It's like, it's not a poem anymore. This is a fucking novel or a it's short called, story. It's called an epic. <laughs> but since relations between them are now impossible, she advises him to distance himself from her memory and looks forward to the release of death when one can grave, or when, sorry, when, quote, one kind grave, end quote, will, will reunite them. Oh, the sweet release of death. Yeah, line 343. So we keep, it keeps on going. <laughs> uh, Pope is born a Roman Catholic and so might be assumed to have an insight into and a special interest in the story. He had, however, a recently published source to inspire him and guide his readers. This was The Letters of Abelard and Eloise with a particular account of their lives, amours and misfortune by the poet John Hughes. Okay, so this isn't... This, this whole story wasn't come up with by Alexander Pope. He's building on previous yes. arts by other yes. people. Uh, which was first published in 1713 and was to go through many editions in the following century and more. There are several instances of Pope's direct dependence on Hughes's version of the letters. As one example, where Eloise exclaims, quote, Among those who are wedded to God, I serve a man. Among the heroic supporters of the cross, I am a poor slave to a human passion. At the head of a religious community, I am devoted to Abelard only. End quote. Pope's Eloisa condenses this to the lines. Are you following this, Brett? No. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I was lost. having trouble following along myself. But yeah, it seems like it was a. I think you just so, so what's the definition of an epistle? Epistle. Is it a type of poem? Yeah, maybe it's like a long form poem, almost like a short story poem. I got it. I got it. Epistle. An epistle is a poem or other literary work in the form of a letter or series of letters. Okay. So that would explain the, those letters as well. But you can see some parallels with, I guess, impossible love, but that is divine love nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't work, um, that actually seems to reference that original plot I was talking about a lot. Where, well, there's also kind of a, a little mini reference in the very last scene in the movie, but the idea that they, even though they can't have like a perfect relationship that lasts 
until they die. Like somehow they're they're meant to be together. Like they keep going through this relationship over and over again. And even mm-hmm. if it ends, you know, in a messy way, it's like meant to be or something like that idea. Yeah. It's kind of cool. There's a little bit of a, a Nietzsche's influence. They say this film is a metaphor of the Nietzschean concept of eternal recurrence of all things. Maybe mm. what you're talking about there. Yeah. Moreover, an employee of Dr. Merzviak, Mary Svevo, that was her last name, Svevo. 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 That, uh, I read that that was a reference to another poet, I think. It had something to do with Alexander Pope, maybe. I forget exactly. So can you, what's an aphorism? What is that, aphorism? How do you say that word? A-P-H-O-R-I-S-M. Aphorism? Aphorism. I'm not sure. So anyways, Mary, you know, recited twice a famous aphorism by the philosopher. Uh, Blessed are the forgetful, for they get even the better of their blunders. This theme returns again to Nietzsche, especially the theme of the eternal recurrence. This theory of eternal recurrence, who Nietzsche inherits from the Stoics, is a thought experiment asking, before you act, if you would do the same choice for all eternity. In (laughs) short, the question... What I want now, do I want it forever? Nietzsche made the issue as a test of greatness of action and nobility to the man who can answer yes to this question. However, both characters are placed in this recurring situation, returning the same, and they accept each time to relive their choice. They do not learn, draw no lesson from their experiences and their suffering. Like amnesiacs, uh, we can say that Joel and Clementine are Nietzschean characters because they are pure becomings, transcendence of suffering, in short, pure affirmation of life. Uh, Both sides are aware of the reality of their situation, are willing to start their life in love, to forget that they had failed the first attempt, as they believe that the good times they live supplant times of pain, they will suffer inevitably. Mm -hmm. Inevitably. Never, uh, never, 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 never did inevitably. Things will inevitably change. Oh, wait. <laughs> wait, that was the wrong one. <laughs> you ever have that? Word you can't get? <laughs> that was a Team America thing. You guys oh, okay. seen uh, The Fountain? Yeah. Darren, Ofs- Darren Aronofsky mm-hmm. film? Mm-hmm. Reminds me a lot of that, the idea of kind of eternal love, like the same love throughout yeah. time. That's just a smidgen of a lot of the the philosophy involved with this film. Uh, there was a lot of different articles. I was like websites. I was looking online, like, you know, like philosophy in relation to eternal sunshine, the spotless mind. Yeah. And we'll go off in tangents and, you know, people had essays written and things like that. So this is just a sliver of that. But obviously it's pretty, um, it's pretty notable since Mary quotes those, the quote well, that talks about, Alexander Pope poem, and she quotes that Nietzsche line. Yeah, I didn't realize it went so deep. That's that's cool that, like in in the movie, knowing nothing really about, you know, that part of philosophy and you know the stuff yeah. that these guys wrote about. You might think that that line is just oh, that's where they get the title for the movie, but it like mm-hmm. goes so much deeper into the ideas that they they were talking about that they're showing in the yeah. film. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, it was a. It was challenging for me just to read about it because I'd still understand half of the Alexander Pope, you know, Pope shit. But I thought it'd be nice for the readers to maybe wet their palate a little bit, and then they might be um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Might, inspired to might, go might do their ins- own research. Yeah, it might be inspired to go do their own research. Um, you said our readers? Did I say our readers? <laughs> listeners? I think so. They might read the our website. Viewers? <laughs> <laughs> readers, <laughs> listeners, you can experience it with all five senses. I'm um, still waiting for the Pope Alexander breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that at? Um, so I have a clip here. Let's see what clip I'm looking for. Okay, this is the clip of this is the last memory that's erased, which is the first memory Joel has of Clementine when he met her at the beach. Oh, this is the teary part. Yep, and um, yeah, I guess I'll just let it play. Hi there. Hi. I saw you sitting over here by yourself. And I thought, thank God, someone normal who doesn't know how to interact with these things either. Yeah. I don't ever know what to say. I'm Clementine. Can I borrow a piece of your chicken? And then you just took it without waiting for an answer. It was so intimate. Like we were already lovers. I'm Joel. Hi, Joel. So, no jokes about my name. What do you mean, like, Omidar, then Omidar, then Omidar, then Clementine? Huckleberry Hound, that sort of thing? Yeah. No. Like that? No, no jokes. No jokes. One of my favorite things when I was a kid was my Huckleberry Hound doll. I think your name is magical. This is it, Joel. It's gonna be gone soon. I know. What do we do? Enjoy it. Just enjoy it. That wasn't actually the part that I thought you were talking about. When I said the teary part, I was thinking of the like the very last time they talk. Uh, the house. Yeah, where he's mm-hmm. talking about how like he he left. You know, he got too nervous that they were like breaking into this house and stuff. She uh-huh. told him to leave, and he left. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, "I wish I, I wish I had stayed." And she's like, "I wish you had too." She's like, "Well, what if this time you don't leave?" Mm-hmm. Is that Huckleberry Hound thing really a joke, though? It's yeah, that's really, the thing. It's like really, it's not funny. It's like no jokes, you know. And like you know, I've heard them all. Like I never got that with people. Like you know, no jokes about my name. I'm like, I grew up. My last name's fucking Mulder. You know how many times I heard like people, you know, do like X Files references. <laughs> Did it ever piss me off? No, I was never offended. Like Mulder was Scully. Like was I all oh, rats? <laughs> I'm gonna go sit in my room and cry. Like, well, doesn't it just get kind of? Annoying because it's so unoriginal. Like, oh, you think you're the first person to make that joke? Yeah, but it's not like it's going to offend me. Sure. I didn't know Huckleberry Huckleberry Hound was that popular. Yeah. And isn't that like a, almost like a a pretty song, you know? Who wouldn't want to be serenaded every time they meet somebody? Oh, your name's Clementine? It's a really long joke, though. Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, oh, my darling, (laughs) Clementine. You get it? Huckleberry Hound. I'm no, I'm offended now. That's a that's a stretch. Although he kept on calling her tangerine at certain points, you know. Yeah, if if he made more jokes about her being a, a fruit, 
<laughs> I think that would work, but Huckleberry yeah. Hound's a stretch. Um, Huckleberry, that, by the way, Huckleberry Hound was on the the Simpsons behind the music episode. <laughs> I was so gay <laughs> that I couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> um, uh, the other one I was thinking of was Snagglepuss, who was most definitely gay. Okay. Good thing we cleared that up. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is the last clip here. This is... Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. I just wanted to say that, uh, he, you know, he mentions that Huckleberry Hound, he had a doll when he was a kid. It was like his favorite thing. Uh-huh. So that's kind of crazy that they actually, in erasing her from his memory, they erased a piece of his childhood, you know, mm-hmm. the most important thing to him as a kid. Like, that's just gone. Yeah. That's, um, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it is fucked up. <laughs> Uh, here's the last clip here. This is in the present. She gets in the car and they're going to go. I forget where they're going to go. Hang out. She, she grabs her toothbrush to go like sleep over. Yeah. Because like, oh, he drove her back to her place and uh-huh. she's like, uh, do you mind if I come over to your place just to sleep a little more? Just because she's that kind of person, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Invites herself over. I'm you gonna know, s- that kind of person. <laughs> yeah. And then creepy ass Patrick. Pops up and oh, says, yeah. "Can I help you? What are you doing here?" Yeah. <laughs> I I really like that. Like, nobody knows you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't recognize him at all, and it's funny that the because the audience recognizes him from the very beginning, where that same yeah you know, that's kind of show the same stuff. Why would I like? Why? Sorry to interrupt, but right. uh, why would Joel know Patrick? At all, because he Patrick spends the whole other rest of the movie trying to avoid him as much as possible. Yeah, well, he, he doesn't. He doesn't see him at the. So why would he just pop up and say, "Can I help you?" Because he's going to Clementine's place because he's dating Clementine, or he thinks but he how is. How would Joel know that? He doesn't. <laughs> and Patrick, Patrick knows that he doesn't, but he is wondering why the hell is this guy here? Because we just erased Clementine from his mind. Of all the so things what the fuck to say. Yeah, I mean, he handles it in a really <laughs> poor way, but he, I mean, he's freaked out because why, why the hell is the Joel first there? post-erasing his memory that he sees him. Right, right. You can just go hang out with his giant uh, man in a dog suit friend. <laughs> <laughs> did you see Wilfred? Was yes, a, I did. Wilfred I watched reference. all Wilfred. <laughs> it's a good show. Oh, and that uh, the actress that was in Wilfred, she's like in this cult now. You heard about all that? Well, Allison Mack? Yeah. Oh, is that her? I yeah, she was in Wilfred. I thought it was just Smallville. Nobody mentioned that Wilfred. <laughs> she wasn't in a ton of it, just I, a few episodes, I, I guess. I didn't recognize her from anything, but... Mm. She's the other person that he runs into who can understand Wilfred. Oh, okay. But then she ends up being insane. That, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's that final clip. Vamanos, senor. <laughs> I had a really nice time last night. Nice? I had a, the best fucking night of my entire fucking life last night. <laughs> That's better. This is weird. To all patients of Dr. Howard Mearswack, my name is Mary Svivo. We've met, but you don't met, remember but you me. Don't remember me. I worked, I worked for a company, for a company hired, hired to have part, part of, of your memory erased. I've since decided that this Some is kind of a whole or something. And in order to correct this, I'm sending everyone's file back to them. My name is Clementine Krasinski. I'm here to erase Joel Barish. 
What is this? I don't know. He's boring. Is that enough reason to erase someone? I've been thinking lately how I was before and how I am now, and it's like he changed me. I feel like I'm always pissy now. I don't like myself when I'm with him. I don't like myself anymore. I can't stand to even look at him. That pathetic, wimpy, apologetic smile, that sort of wounded puppy shit he does, you know? What are you doing? He's not doing anything. Bloom is certainly fucking off the rose at this point. Are you screwing with me? No! You are screwing with me. Joel, I'm not! You clearly are! Look, okay, let's just... Just take a minute and... It's a good thing all these people had cassette players. <laughs> 2004, you know. I Not guess. everyone had, to, had them in their cars. This is the waning days of the cassette. <laughs> Uh, I think I'm going to finish up with some uh, more fun facts here. I have some written down. Hey, everybody. Here's some fun facts. Uh, The scene where Joel and Clementine watched the circus go through the streets was made up on the spot as the film crew and cast happened to be working nearby. And director uh, Gondry uh, decided it could work well in the film. The part where Clementine disappears suddenly is one of Gondry's favorite moments of the film as Jim Carrey didn't know uh, Kate Winslet was going to disappear. And Gondry liked it because Carrie's face appears so saddened. Uh, when the sound blanks out in the final film, Carrie is actually saying, Kate? We can't hear it, you know, because it like, goes silent. Yeah. Well, I So I read about that before I watched the movie this last time, and I was looking for that scene. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find the part where they were talking about because there's a part where she disappears and he's, he's looking around and he says, Clem, right? Right, but what were you saying about the like when sound it goes, cut out? When it goes, yeah, when the sound blanks out in the final cut, that um, he's actually saying Kate. He's mouthing the word Kate. He's saying Kate, but they, it's silent. So you just yeah. see him mouthing it. He just says Kate. Yeah, it makes sense that they would ADR that. But but they're saying that it cut out at the, in the final well, they cut? cut yeah, know. they cut out. The sound blanks out. I don't know. So maybe you just weren't looking close enough. I don't think they you mean listening it. close enough. For shame. You're going to have to watch it I again. heard he... Well, no. Yeah, how can you hear it if the sound's blanked out? Fuck That's face. what I'm saying, because I heard Clem. <laughs> I heard Clem, so when does the sound blank out? The only Clem I know is Clem Haskins. For, <laughs> for Disgraced <laughs> former coach. Former right. gopher basketball coach. <laughs> he used to put the S at the end of singular words and... Take the S off plural words. <laughs> that sounds infuriating. <laughs> I know people that do that. Play it down at William Arita's. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Go for basketballs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, virtually all of the most bizarre and fascinating scenes in this movie were created with old fashioned camera, editing, lighting, and prop set tricks. Uh, the use of digital effects was very limited. Uh, the striking kitchen scene with Joel as a child was created with an elaborate forced perspective setup similar to some used by Peter Jackson in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun fact. Dolphins aren't fish. They're mammals. Here's another fun fact. I haven't felt the loving embrace of a human being in over three months. <laughs> <laughs> 
Seth Rome. I'm so lonely. It's still going. I paid a hobo to spoon what? with me. <laughs> it's probably Anchorman 2. I thought it might be. <laughs> um, to help promote the movie, a fully functional website was created for Lacuna. It was at, you know, H double T P colon slash slash www.lacunainc.com. Uh, purporting to provide memory eraser. The only giveaway is the link to watch Joel Barish, quote, experience a procedure, which links to the movie's official site. So, hmm. dead giveaway. Yeah. Uh, I got one. Clementine's hair, different colors hair. She's got mm-hmm. blue hair at some point, red hair, orange hair, yep. all wigs. Yep. Because they filmed it out of sequence, so she had to switch a lot. Yeah, I didn't think it'd uh, be good, like constantly dyeing her hair like every other day. <laughs> Probably not great for your hair. Because, like, yeah, using Clementine's hair color, viewers can also keep track of what phase of the, of the relationship they're watching. Green is for the first meeting, red for fantasy scenes, orange for the full on affair, and blue for their post cleansing reacquaintance. The real Clementine, that is to say, not a memory or figment of Joel's imagination is only in the film for roughly 20 minutes and is recognizable by her blue hair. Then the opening credits roll. Yeah. Opening credits roll about 18 minutes into the movie. Yeah. It's quite a ways in there. <laughs> yeah. That's is. cool. I like that, though, because they, you know, they use that to kind of show Joel's anguish, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also wanted to mention the soundtrack for this movie is amazing. Mm-hmm. John Bryan did, like, all the music for it. Okay. Here's a fun fact. Uh, Kanye... Saw this movie. Here's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. Kanye saw this movie and was so impressed with the score that he contacted John Bryan to work with him on a song. Ended up doing uh, some of the music for Gold Digger. Really? Yeah. I listened to that song to try to figure (laughs) out which part. I mean, I'd heard this song, but I listened to it again after hearing this to try to figure out what part John (laughs) Bryan was involved in. Uh, there, there's very little to that song beyond the beat and the vocals. So, now I'm not saying she's a gold digger, but uh, what isn't she looking for? <laughs> what isn't she messing with? <laughs> What's that from? Is that a Family Guy thing? I don't recall. Oh, uh, what isn't she <laughs> messing with? <laughs> I heard she got a baby by Usher. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> you know that song you just said you listen to that song for uh, sure i heard kanye is making america great again <laughs> yeah did you hear that he's even got a he's even got a signed hat nowadays. i never get your references he's making america great again uh, kanye's a big trump guy uh, is yeah. he yeah you didn't see the big Dude, controversy like it was like a, come on it's like a week or two ago yeah it was like two weeks ago it was all over the twitters I don't. People were not I happy. don't twit. Not not a tweeter. <laughs> he posted private text messages where John Legend told him, "You can't say that, Kanye." <laughs> oh yeah, he said that slavery was a choice. Who did? Yeah. Kanye well, he did. He he had a big. He uh, said after four hundred years, it seems like it might be a choice. Yeah. He, what? He had a larger point, after although it was. What is? Yeah, it doesn't make all that much sense. Um, this is the guy you're listening to, Kanye West. <laughs> 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 yeah, he didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, 
he had like a larger point, but yeah, it was still like the words he chose to try and convey his point were ill-conceived at best, I thought. Uh-huh. But yeah. Yeah. All the headlines and the stories were, Kanye said slavery was a choice, and then everyone got up in arms, and even though it was like, well, he had like a whole paragraphish dumb shit he said, yeah. and they just chose that one thing. So he had some other logic around that statement? He did, but, not to say that it was sound logic, sure, sure. but he did. Do you, it, it can you else, summarize it for me? Well, just no, there's a video. He's at TMZ talking to TMZ people, so that's like the first problem. Hmm. But but even before that, <laughs> it all started because he, uh, he retweeted some, it was a conservative uh, black woman was talking about... Candace Owens. Yeah, Candace Owens was talking about um, how black people need to stop having a victim mentality. And Kanye said, yeah, I agree with her, mega, and all that shit. And then everybody's like... Kanye, you can't say that. And then he, he tweeted out a picture because he got a mega hat signed by Trump. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> like sign hat came in the mail today. Hmm. He tweeted out a picture like, check it out, got got my mega hat signed. And then he took it to a whole another level on TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, now he just came stuff. out with that new album, which it's not. Re- I don't think it's released yet, but he flew a bunch of people out to Wyoming for a listening party for a seven track album. Oh. And among them, like Jonah Hill was one of the people that they flew out there. But it was yeah. mostly like industry, like music industry people, like uh, critics and just other people. That reminds industry. me too. We mentioned Pusha T earlier. Kanye West picked the uh, the album artwork for Pusha T's new album, and he picked the uh, the scene of Whitney Houston's bathroom on her uh, when she died. Yeah, it was like a photo of like her in the bathtub or something. Not not of her, but like her. It was like from her point of view, right? Yeah, it was like the uh, of the counter and the mirror and all the drugs and shit that were on the counter. Hmm. Yeah, Connie's been doing different things since you <laughs> last checked in on him. Yeah, I don't do much checking in on him. <laughs> you don't keep up with the Kardashians. <laughs> I don't keep up with much of anything. God, that that. Uh... Did you know Kim was? At I'm the gonna White let House? you finish, but. You know, Beyonce, the you know greatest video of all time. That was, yeah. what, like 10 years ago? I think it might have even been longer than that. Might have been like, like 07? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. the mid-aughts probably. That was when I was around the time I was like, all right, I'm done with the Kanye. <laughs> I want to say 09. I was never big on Kanye, but uh, it was when really Single Ladies him. came out. Do you know when Single Ladies came out? When Single was, Ladies came out? That was that must, It was around video. 09, 09 or 10, mm-hmm. maybe. That was the one he was talking about. That was when Obama called him a, a jackass. <laughs> He's a jackass. That's oh, pretty that's funny. right. <laughs> so, yeah, it would have been after because Obama was still in office. Yeah. Um, so let's get back to... Enough about Kanye West, though. Why did you... I don't know why you even brought him up. I just have one little... <laughs> one more little fun fact. Uh, there was a subplot involving Joel having a one-night stand with his ex-girlfriend, Naomi, who was played by Ellen Pompeo was deleted from the final cut of the film. So that could have provided a little more perspective. I but, think I think that would make him a lot less sympathetic. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really go with the rest of the film since it's so the beginning and the end are present and the, pretty much everything else is just erasing his memory. And he's kind of a cuck, so it's <laughs> unlikely that he'd have an affair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, it's it's well, a person uh, that he's familiar with. Well, because you know he uh, he was aware that Clementine would be out till three a.m. fucking other guys, and he'd just be like, "You shouldn't do that." But yeah, they decide to. Um, 
You look like you want to say something to that. <laughs> just, um, just, just keep going. It's fine. There's not much left to keep going with. So, yeah. final thoughts here. We, you know, it ends with them confirming that it is better to have loved and lost than never loved at all because they're going to continue with their continue with their relationship, even though there's a good chance it could fail again. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, th- I think in general, they kind of go into it relationships knowing... fail anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Theirs has already been proven to have failed. Yeah, I mean, the best way a relationship can end is uh, one of you dies, basically. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, either you break up, and that's the end of the relationship, or you stay together until one of you dies. Or I guess the best case scenario is you both die in a car crash or something at the same time, right? Murder-suicide. <laughs> that could work, too. <laughs> you know, you, you can't drink all day if you don't start before noon, okay? <laughs> Gotta start drinking in the morning. The thing I learned <laughs> is that uh, if you're drunk and you smoke some weed, it cancels it out and you can go, you can drive stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I learned. Um, but Moral yeah, story. I... I mean, the way I see it is they're going in, into this relationship knowing that it's going to fall apart, but you know they've decided that the memories that they're left with and just the experience is worth mm-hmm. you know, whatever pain it causes. Although you could say that since they know about their past failures, there is a chance they could also succeed. Sure. Because they know, they know what to look for. And maybe they're like, hey, we just need to calm down. Remember what happened last time. Let's not go through this again. Well, they yeah. got those tapes too, so they uh, they can they put out all each other's faults. They got, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they ha- they're forced to be honest because they've already listened to the tapes. Yeah, you know, there's no secrets. Mm-hmm. Can see them later on being like, you know, you're really starting to sound like that tape. <laughs> like just kind of being bitchy right now. She says something he doesn't agree with. Her. He's like, look at the game tape. All right. <laughs> Just look at it. Play back the game tape. <laughs> yeah. We know where this goes. Um, but did you guys notice at the very, very end, like immediately before the credits, have we gotten there? Can I talk about yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're like done. So yeah. wrap there. it up. So, <laughs> so there's a part where they're back at the, it just shows them back at that beach house, right? And they're kind of running through the snow together. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back and it shows them do that like three or four times as they kind of fade away. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the in the context of the movie, as it as it is, the final cut, it's like kind of not clear what that means exactly. I'm thinking it must be a reference back to what we were saying about how they go through this relationship again and again, and you know, the original idea was to mm-hmm. have them. You know, it's revealed that they've gone through it over and over again. But did you guys get anything from that? Like the what? Did, what was that uh, term? The recurrence of what? Nietzsche's thing. Uh, and it just e- eternal. Eternal recurrence. Eternal yeah, recurrence mean, of all things. Maybe that scene is even just a reference to that idea. Yep. Eternal recurrence. Yeah. The theory of eternal recurrence. Mm. So. Yeah, Eternal Sunshine. Um, I'd definitely give it a, a soonish. I'm sure you would too. What's above soonish? ASAP. You don't the, want to give the it ASAP? tippity top. ASAP. I mean, you know, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Well, see, I, I know Brett would probably just be eventually, it'll right, Brett? Be, yeah. Yeah. So eventually. We'll meet yeah, that's why I have it on the, the website as a soonish. All right, we can compromise. Soonish.
There it is. Done. Do you even know about those new clips? You heard all yeah. those new clips? I don't know if I've heard all of them. I'm pretty sure I heard that one. We just heard it now. So <laughs> well, I, think, I think I'd heard it before <laughs> the previous 10 seconds. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I think that'll about do it. Anything else you guys want to add? Nope. No, I'm good. All right. Well, after this, yeah, we're starting up our summer of summer movies. Nice. Movies that take place in the summer, remind you of summer, or were released in the summer. So there's a lot of summer stuff coming. But not the rest five, of the summer. But nothing that's 500 days. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No 500 days. Because that spans that's, all seasons. That's more than one summer. <laughs> Although it's it's technically it's the same summer for 500 days. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen that movie. So you I haven't seen it? it. Like, summer's the girl's Why name. would that be a reason to not do it? <laughs> he was with her for 500 days. Yeah. Her name is Summer. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie... I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, is Norbit the first summer movie? Is no. That, no. It's no. not. We're no, not, not doing Norbit. No. You were, oh, he, he wants getting excited. Do you want to do Norbit? <laughs> <laughs> so do we have a first summer movie? Uh, well, we're going to be doing Stand By Me in a couple of weeks here. Okay. Hopefully when Jones comes back, he wants to do that. So towards the end of June, we'll be doing that. But you and us three will probably figure out something to do next. Next week, we'll just be doing some mini apps. And then the week after, we'll do something. And then after that, we'll do Stand By Me. So you, just we're gonna lied, be doing... you lied to the audience. They, they're they expecting a summer movie next episode. No, I'm just, we're starting it. We're, we're going to start it soon. For, for our movie-centric episodes, they are summer-themed. But we're okay. still going to be doing the mini-eps with, you know, Recently Seen. And if we do a news, might do some might do a news episode here and there. Maybe do a movie fight. Yeah, do some more movie fights. Cool. But yeah, we'll be doing Scarface later in the summer. Uh, Easy Rider is another one Jones would like to do. Um, we might probably probably pass on that one. Oh, you gonna pass on that one? Probably pass on that. We got to think about what we want to do for July Fourth. Maybe Independence Day. Oh yeah, that'd be a good one. It's just a good time. Yeah. Is what Independence Day is. Yeah. I'm not all about that resurgence shit. I haven't seen it, but American Pie. It's a summer movie, right? Well, technically, it's Is a spring it? movie. What? Actually, actually, it's a fall, winter, and spring. Cause Is it? I thought... They, tr- they try to get laid before the end of school. Oh, so, which yeah. Is like, it's like a whole school year. Yeah, you're right. Never By mind. prom, they want to get laid. So For prom's some reason, like I was May. thinking the beginning of the Probably. movie is the beginning of summer, but yeah, that doesn't make sense. No. <sighs> I don't know what I'm talking about. All right, well, reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. Follow us on Twitter at WatchThis underscore movie. Please rate and review on iTunes and or Stitcher. Other than that, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you lost my case.